0: In general, the farther you can take a company before you decide to get funding or before you bring on venture funding, the better off you're gonna be. Um, And so, you know, in some cases, people can get a long way down the road. In some cases, not as far, but as a general rule, the farther you can get, uh, the better.
1: Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP, And construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is Scott Ellison. He seeks to be a force multiplier for great founders in tech enabled businesses as a pre A advisor and investor. Welcome to the show, Scott.
0: Thank you, Todd. Uh, It's a pleasure being part of the discussion here. As I mentioned before we started recording, I think uh, that what you're doing in terms of encouraging conversation across a variety of, of important topics that touch technology um, is, is extremely valuable for an ecosystem that I'm bullish about over the next decade uh, I think there is it's it's pretty obvious that there's a lot of opportunity it doesn't mean it's it's easy uh, or that it's uh, it, it's similar in, in some ways to other sectors I mean there's there's certainly a lot of opportunity for growth but I think having, a perspective that understands the dynamics unique to construction, uh, one that you're encouraging with discussions like this in your podcast, uh, is very important for the ecosystem. So, thanks for doing it. Yeah, no, it's our pleasure
1: for sure. I, I think that you know, I, I more than agree with you that the construction potential that is here in this industry is is pretty enormous, and that the next decade is is going to be a wild and crazy ride, but it's it's going to be exciting for construction
0: yeah, we all know the um, the Mackenzie report that came out a few years ago, and a lot of people like to talk about the trillion dollars uh, at play in the industry in the u s alone, and then you know bigger numbers even worldwide. But uh, those who spend you know even a little bit of time looking at dynamics in space realize that it's important to uh, to to take a, a more uh, focused perspective on uh, particularly what a company is bringing in terms of technology uh, focused on the solution, as opposed to the technology. Um, the good news is that there are already uh, success examples of success. Um, and I suspect it's, it's my bet at least that there are going to be many, many more over the next decade. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, let's,
1: start uh towards the the beginning how'd you get involved with the construction industry
0: yeah so going way back um i uh, my my spending money in high school and actually it even helped pay for college uh was working in a hardware store um so i spent all my time uh i mean at at that point it was probably 15 20 hours a week but for for a few years uh in and around and and the particular store that i worked in uh Service a lot of general contractors. This was, uh, I'm dating myself, I suppose, but before the days when uh, everyone just went to Home Depot. Um, so it was really, it, it was a fantastic uh, experience. Um, and beyond that, I've had a number of folks in my family that have been uh, GCs and married into a family that has a couple of GCs. I actually, uh was not involved in the industry um, for uh, for at least the first chunk of time out of, out of college. Uh, I spent time as a management consultant and then uh, with, a, with a private equity firm, a growth equity firm. But I, for, for a variety of reasons that, that I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on uh, during the course of this discussion, I've become increasingly convinced uh, that some of the barriers that were in place or have been in place traditionally in construction to adopting technology um, are starting to dissipate. uh, And that there uh, is an untapped opportunity over the next decade um, to create a number of really interesting um, companies that not only create significant value for their founders and investors and, and employees, but also make a big uh, dent in the industry in terms of changing the way things are done for the better. So what do you see as the, really that the big potential area for
1: the construction industry over the next decade?
0: I think it's everything. Um, there, there's very little that uh, isn't in play in terms of, uh, in terms of opportunities for introducing technology. Uh, there's a, you know, a, a common, an, an offsided claim that construction is just uh, behind and maybe is tech phobic and, you know, doesn't get the benefits, um, all of which I, I fundamentally disagree with. I think th- there are uh, very specific reasons, if you think about it, as to why construction, if you want to make the argument that construction is, is somewhat behind maybe some other sectors, uh, there, there are specific rational, logical reasons for that. Um, And construction is not the only sector that uh, has similar dynamics. You know, you can even look at uh, healthcare and and the medical field, hospitals. And for the longest time, for over two decades now, people have been talking about uh, adoption of medical records. And it's really only been in the last couple of years where you see it, even in places uh, I I live in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, even in places out here where it's starting to be used, where you walk into just about any appointment that you have with your kids or you go into the hospital and electronic medical records are used. Um, That technology has been around for a long time. So I think for those who say, well, you know, construction just doesn't get it. I think they're not looking at some of the reasons why uh, t- technology was perhaps not adopted um, as broadly in construction. A number of, uh, of those dynamics, I believe, are, have changed and, and are in the process of changing, which is why uh, one of the reasons that I'm so bullish on what happens uh, in the 20s. Yeah,
1: I do think that there is a, a big perception gap that is occurring in the industry that you know you you said that people often will say that the construction industry is behind in terms of the tech adoption but uh, that's not really the case why do you really see um, that that perception happening and then what is going to be the catalyst to kind of change that perception going forward
0: yeah so I mean, I, I suppose just taking a step back when when we talk about, it's easy to talk about construction as a monolith, um, and it's far from that, right? Um, there are a, a, a raft of specialties within it, and then if you if you really pull back the aperture, construction is in essence, as an industry, is a loose federation of small and medium sized businesses, right? It is. Mm-hmm. Increasingly, yes, if you look at the ENR list, uh, there are large uh, entities that maybe have have tightened the federation of of some of those. But even in the the biggest uh, GCs, multi-billion dollar GCs, uh, a lot of the decisions are being made down at the project level. Um, And I I mean, not only decisions, uh, decisions all the way through in terms of even what the rest of the world would think of as PL responsibility, right? You know, it's pushed Mm -hmm. down to, not in all cases, but pushed down to a project manager. Um, And so it's not a function, you know, when you look at even the biggest GCs and you say, wow, that's a $5 billion company or or $10 billion company. And therefore, uh, shouldn't I be able to sell a whole bunch of of technology into them just like I can into other multi-billion dollar enterprises? It doesn't work that way for the most part in construction, or at least it hasn't historically. And and I don't expect that it will, even though there will be, you know, uh, more ubiquity of of technology 10 years from now. Uh, It's just the way that the the sector is organized um, Mm. and it's important. It it can be shocking for both for entrepreneurs and for investors um, who don't quite get that uh, the first time that they run into it. Um, And it's one of the reasons, actually, why I I think for entrepreneurs, particularly in the early stages, say up to Series A or maybe even Series B, it's particularly valuable to have investors um, who have an understanding of the sector and the unique unique dynamics, um, as Mm -hmm. opposed to, and I just make up this example, but say uh, an investor who's on Six boards, three of them are fintech and three of them are enterprise SaaS. And then they run into this construct tech uh, entrepreneur who they think is genius and they're going to put money behind him or her. Uh, And then they end up coming into board meetings and they've been asking questions that were the right ones in fintech and the right ones in enterprise SaaS. And all of a sudden they're they seem like the right ones, but they're not for the particular stage. So it's um, re- particularly valuable uh, to have some sort of, uh, of experience and understanding of, of this sector, I would say even more so than many.
1: Do you feel indestructible? Well, do you? Then MEP Force 2021 is the event for you. It's the gathering place for industry thought leaders throughout MEP to come together and learn the new technology trends in prefabrication and more. The best part is that it's all industry led and driven, meaning real people from the trades will be leading the almost 70 breakout sessions. So you will be getting real life, practical examples and use cases to take back and implement right away. This year, we'll be having some in-person networking events in Atlanta, Austin and Denver. Excited to see people in person. Go over to MEPforce.com to claim your edge today and use promo code BTG to save almost 50% on your ticket. Looking forward to seeing all my innovators at MEPforce. Yeah, I agree with you. I think construction's a a whole different beast than an animal. Uh, That's interesting that you brought up the the fintech and enterprise SaaS. Uh, So in what ways then is, is... building that context startup that the same and then different than building a startup in those other sectors like you mentioned?
0: Yeah, I mean, the, so building a business uh, is is building a business. And the, I mean, that of course uh, sounds logical uh, and it is, but there are certain things that you gotta do. You, you have to find and hire great people, right? It doesn't matter what sector you're in. Um, ultimately a company is made out of the the people that are a part of it. So Mm -hmm. it's recruiting, it's recruiting a diverse set of individuals. Uh, I mentioned having the construction experience and that uh, I I believe is important, at least right now, maybe it won't be in a few years, but at least for now, because this sector isn't as well understood, um, but for the founders to have some exposure and understanding of the dynamics. But then, for the rest of the team, I think you're you're out there looking to bring on uh, the most talented people you can find. Um, It's about finding a product that you can you can sell uh, for more than it costs you to make it, whether it's software or hardware. I mean, it's simple things, but these get I I mention them because they can get lost, Mm -hmm. particularly in the in the technology space um, by in the glare of hey, isn't this a cool piece of technology that we've developed, whether it's a robot or whether it's a a new uh, software platform. Um, In this sector, if you're not laser focused on uh, on particularly, I mean, people talk about it as the ROI, but what problem is it that you're solving? Um, And you asked about differences and similarities. I suppose this this is a similarity but it's even more important in this sector uh, that you show up with a clear understanding, not of why your technology is cool or unique or different, uh, but uh, specifically what it can deliver um, that is better than is being used currently.
1: Yeah. I think that's an interesting point. And then there's, you have to have that kind of pitch deck in your mind for all the different stakeholders that are involved too, because how you're going to, what's the, the value in it for the field is going to be very different than the value in it for the office and, and upper management there
0: too. It's not, this sector is not for the fan part, right? I mean, you, <laughs> you mentioned that uh, a dynamic that maybe doesn't seem um, particularly onerous, but it's a big challenge. I mean, you, you don't have uh, in in most cases, the opportunity to walk in make a multi-million dollar enterprise level sale and then you know for for the most part have your sales team or your marketing team move on to the next multi-billion dollar opportunity um, the reality is that you have to sell to a, a, a number of different constituents mm-hmm. uh the flip side is that when you create something that's truly valuable for all those constituents uh they're not afraid to, to talk about it to friends. And it, can't, it, it might even be easier over time to sell across companies, say within the same geography or within the same uh, subtrade, than it might even be within the same large company. Um, you know, if let's say uh, a New York, your, your product or, or technology being used on a New York job site and then in the same company uh, you're trying to sell into a Minneapolis job site, you, you will likely have to go through what seems like um, you know the, the full sales cycle again. You'll, you'll have the benefit of, of that, that reference in New York. But um, when I say it might even be easier to sell within a geography, the project manager, the super uh, in New York, probably has three or four buddies at other uh, projects around the New York metro area with other GCs. Yeah. And you might end up having an easier time, you know, more sales synergy in those discussions than between New York and Minneapolis.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a much smaller industry and people talk more than you think.
0: <laughs> yeah, which that that's the flip side to some of the challenges that we talked about. You know, I mm-hmm. think um, because... The, there's a high bar for the introduction of new tools, and and I, I found that that's one of the most effective ways to think about technology um, is is as a tool, right? I mean, it's sure. it's a better hammer theoretically, or it, it better be. Um, and when there's a better uh, tool, regardless of what it is in the industry, the word tends to sp- to spread pretty quickly. Um, and yep. other people are gonna adopt it. So ultimately, uh, you know, if you're delivering something that, that has that value, the strong value proposition, uh, the word will get out. That's, mm-hmm. that's the, the benefit of, of some of the fragmentation that we talked about.
1: Yeah, so how's the digital transformation over the, the last 18 months really changed the environment in your mind for construction?
0: I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who said it slowed it down um it's undoubtedly accelerated uh yeah i in addition to the companies that i'm fortunate to be uh, an investor or an advisor and have uh, a myriad of discussions with folks at a variety of different gc's and, and suppliers in and around the industry and and to a person they all say that it's, it's accelerated the, the past 18 months have accelerated the adoption of technology it could be something as simple, uh, and and this uh, candidly was quite a surprise to me, um, but one of the GCs, a fairly large GC uh, that I was talking to at the end of, the, of last year said, uh, one of the biggest things that we adopted this year is electronic checks. Um, now, it, sitting in Silicon Valley, electronic checks have been around for a couple of decades, right? Yeah. Um, that technology is not new at all. But... It was interesting uh, to hear him say, he said, look, uh, the reality was that we could no longer walk out to the trailers on our job sites and hand out paper checks. And so there there wasn't any choice. It wasn't like people didn't know about electronic checks before, it was just that they were continuing um, in in that case. And I'm sure it wasn't across the company, but maybe in a a couple of uh, regions Mm-hmm. to use paper checks. So you have something like that, but I think much, much, uh, from, from a broader perspective, uh, a lot of work in the sector, of course, gets done site, and that continued during the pandemic and we'll continue, you know, hopefully we're not going back into, uh, a, a modified version of what we've lived through last year, but we'll see, um, for those who were, who don't have, uh, jobs that required them to be onsite, um, even ones maybe where they had been on site before. I think it's been a universal experience that people have amazingly figured out how to do their job. And in some cases, how to do their job more efficiently uh, and more creatively. Um, Hmm. There've been downsides certainly, but a lot of that has to do with technology. We're talking across uh, a, a, a Zoom video call here. It's not that this technology wasn't available before, Um, but it's now become a a fundamental tool of how people in this sector and others get their jobs done. Um, And it opens up a lot of new things too, right? It's just easier to have that first sales call, easier both on the salesperson and on the customer, right? The customer doesn't have to take the salesperson out to dinner or actually be in the office or whatever it might be. So uh, there's, in, in a broad way of speaking, I think people have, uh, learn to appreciate that technology uh, and change can have a positive uh, impact on the way they do their job. Create a
1: common data environment for your team with 360 Sync. 360 Sync automatically transfers, organize, and archives project files across applications. It is the only way to automatically sync project files between your server, Procore, BIM 360, Bluebeam, or any other platform you use. 360 Sync is the only document management system designed by and for the AEC industry. Users have automatically transferred over 1 million files and over 2 million syncs. Set it and forget it. Create a common data environment for your team today using 360 Sync. Visit asti.com slash 360 Sync for more information. Yeah, for sure. It, the last eighteen months has really kind of uh, force-fed some efficiency upgrades and improvements with technology because you had to, in order to to keep going and to adapt, you you had to find those ways to, uh, you know, as you mentioned, get the job done no matter what. You you figured out how to make it work, and I, I think construction is uniquely equipped for that. I mean, that, there's so many great problem solvers in construction. That's what. They do on the job site on a day-to-day basis is, is find a solution to a problem that comes up because a job site never goes according <laughs> to plan uh, and so I think taking that mindset and putting it on the technology front is um, the, the last 18 months made it that it it was easier than I think a lot of people thought to, to take that mindset and put it on technology and construction
0: yeah I and mean, you know you mentioned an important thing uh, up and down the industry, the, the job um, description really should be problem solver, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, it's one, it's a constant string of solving new problems and seeing an experience that maybe you, you've, you've had before. So you, you know what the solution is already, or in, in a lot of cases, it's something brand new, but either way, figuring out it's, it's not like, the 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 option is not there to just say, hey, we've put up four floors of a 10-story building and I we ran out of screws or nails or you know, joists or something else. And so I, I guess we'll just stop, right? I mean right. it's you're you're constantly uh, in the game of How do we react to this curveball or this new situation uh, that came at us and and solve the problem? Which is why I think uh, the sector, when presented with tools that are properly configured and uh, and presented in in, in an appropriate way for the sector, uh, will adopt technology and has adopted technology and continues to adopt technology. but if you, you know, I had an experience a, a couple of months ago where we had some uh, trees that had fallen down on our property and we needed to have the stumps ground. And so uh, I hired a company. They came out. They had a big stump grinder. Um, and it struck me that if they had shown up and said something along the lines of, Scott, we just came up with the greatest hammer you've ever seen. And it's cloud connected, and you can do artificial intelligence, you know, uh, uh, analysis on the number of strokes that, uh, you know, you're swinging and and anyone else on your crew is using uh, every day and how to do it better. I would have said, that's great. And that's interesting, because I happen to be interested in this technology. But I need this problem solved right here, this stump ground. And... You know, of of course, that's a light, light lighthearted, made up example. But I think it's uh, sometimes what happens with individuals uh, who think, wow, this technology that we've created is so cool that if we show up, everyone should understand how brilliant it is. Right. And this sector demands you put yourself in the in the shoes of the customer and say, what, what are the tools that they need to get the problem solved? To your point before, the problem solved that they need to solve today.
1: So Scott, going back to those creative problem solvers that are in the industry, if, if someone's listening right now that, that has what they think is a, a really good idea for a contact startup, how would you encourage them to go about building that? And then what are things that you look for to invest in?
0: Yeah, two, per, perhaps two separate questions, but I'll, I'll take the, uh, you know, what would I look for part first, and then we can talk about um, wh- what I would uh, encourage someone with an idea to do. Um, in terms of what I look for, there there are different ways to describe this, but I've come to think of it as, uh, as the respect-disrupt balance. I mean, I, I, I even think about it as the respect-disrupt ratio needs to be greater than one, meaning more respect than disrupt. Other people will say, you know, this is an evolutionary, not a revolutionary sector. Uh, Company I recently invested in calls it gentle disruption. But the general concept is um, in the startup world, we're still used to, to hearing about disruption and disrupt this and blow up that and disrupt and change this industry. And all that's good and by nature, by the very nature of starting a company, you're undoubtedly intending to have some disruption or introduce some disruption. But in this sector, uh, if you don't balance that with a respect for certain processes and the way things are done and have been done, you're going to end up in, in a difficult spot. Uh, you'll probably be scratching your head because you'll think, you know, I don't make this sector. Maybe they just don't get it. Like, cause isn't this brilliant? It shouldn't things be done this way. Mm-hmm. There's a massive uh, gap in construction between the whiteboard, you know, the general concept where people sitting around in a conference room, writing down great ideas and the real world, you know, the, the, how do we actually implement this technology? So I think um, that res- respect disrupt ratio is something that I, that is I think critical in this sector. Um, and often there's a correlation then with does an individual have experience prior experience in the sector? Now I don't think that's necessary, but I think it can be pretty helpful. And uh, if you don't have that experience then it is necessary to have some sort of passion for the industry for the workers in the industry for uh what's what you know what the industry is doing pulling buildings out of the ground i mean it's it's cool stuff but you know you got to have a passion for it um and then the last piece that i mean there there are many other things but i I, if someone said you can pick three things the, the other thing is um this balance between uh, sales and understanding the customer's perspective and, and technology. Um, I think of tech as, as table stakes for a construct tech company, right? You have to have something new, something innovative, um, but that's not going to win you the, the world series of poker or whatever, or, you know, even your, your game with your buddies on the weekend, you got to do, uh, you need to have that, but then you also need to have uh, the the things that we talked about before regarding sales and really understanding uh, the, the problem set of your customer. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of what uh, I would say to someone who was thinking about starting a company, um, the dynamics that we talked about before in terms of a, a loose federation of small and medium-sized businesses those can be frustrating as you try to scale or as you start to scale. Um, but they can be advantageous early on. And uh, w- what I would, the, the, the most important thing that I would uh, counsel and, and do counsel uh, entrepreneurs to do is to take advantage of that dynamic and to find a, you know, maybe it's a medium-sized GC, maybe it's a medium-sized, uh, MEP provider or sub or uh, you know wh- whatever it is, depending on what you're building in your local area that you can go out and you can say, f- first of all, hey, this is an idea I have, could, could you see this being useful? And they may say, like my hammer example, yeah, that's really cool. You know what? It's not going to help. Um, we need a stump grinder. Do you have a more efficient stump grinder? Um, and and then may, you know you might tweak your idea, but then even after you've you've worked on uh, the technology, um, trying it out with some you know some some friendly faces uh, in a, a local area and just proving the concept. In general, the farther you can take a company before you decide to get funding or before you bring on venture funding, the better off you're going to be. Um, and so. You know, In some cases, people can get a long way down the road, in some cases, not as far, but as a general rule, the farther you can get, uh, the better.
1: The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus helping you achieve higher performance with software training support consulting and custom development applied software has you covered visit asti.com and let them know we sent you yeah that's interesting i, I love that disrupt first respect balance aspect of it as well too because yeah i know one of the the frustrating phrases that a lot of people will hear in construction is well this is the way we've always done it but i think instead of really being frustrated by that if you take the time to unpack well why is it this is the way that they've always done it maybe there's some truth to there and maybe there's some efficiencies that can be gained out but if you pause on that and and really kind of think through that process a bit more you'll probably find some some new little nuggets and maybe the, the tech that you developed is still incredible and it needs to disrupt that old this is the way we've always done it mentality but um you're, you're going to learn a lot by sitting on that and really then pairing it with another thing that you said of having that uh, two-way communication street with the actual end user and, and picking their brains on that I, I think that's huge
0: yeah um certainly true and i you know it, it it's the phrase is we do it this way because this is how we've always done it is uh, certainly well known in the sector and um, has has undoubtedly been been uttered many times in different places uh, or it wouldn't have become the cliche that it is. With that said, uh, um, you know Father Time is undefeated and uh, the demographics of the industry are changing. No matter what anyone says or, or or wants, right? So what that means is, young Gen X, say the younger half of Gen X, or even you know Gen X all the way through uh, millennials, Gen uh, Gen Z, I guess now, uh, these are all individuals. These are cohorts that have grown up with technology. So it's not a function of you don't have to explain that technology is valuable. I mean, these are people that started writing uh, you know, papers maybe in high school or college on a word processor and realized, wow, that's actually a lot faster than sitting down and writing something and then erasing it or using whiteout or whatever it might be. Um, and I use that as a simple example to say, these are uh, now generations that are uh, digital native, mobile native, social media native, uh, and oh, by the way, the last year spent all their time uh, at home with you know, this, the supercomputer in our pocket, <laughs> getting their jobs done. And so as they go back, not only into a workforce where uh, that those combined cohorts are more than 50% and, and rapidly getting to 60 and 70% of the workforce in construction, but as importantly, taking over leadership and decision-making roles both at the project level, like we described before, and then also at the corporate level, th- there's, no, I, there's a, a different mindset that's brought to, you know, whether technology can be useful. Now, I still think there's a high bar, you know, it's not like um, the, the next generation is going to say, yeah, sure, we'll spend $2 million on this, you know, flyer of a technology, but there's just an inherent understanding that, um, technology when properly configured can be useful.
1: Scott, what are lessons that the construction industry can learn from others outside of the industry?
0: It's interesting. If you look, I I don't know if you guys are sport sports fans at all, but, um, if, if you dial the clock back to like 15, 20 years ago, um, There was this there was a similar dynamic as to what's happening in, in construction now um, that was happening in in sports in general but specifically in baseball where you had this old guard that you know who who uh, were adamant that in, in order to select uh, new prospects you've it's got to be done through the traditional scouting process and you got to have eyes on the player and the 40 year, you know, the, the scout with 40 years of experience in the sector has got to go out and look at the players. And then there was this new guard that said, heck no, uh, we have this model that we've built that is is gonna is doing already identifying players better than the old guard. And then, of course, what's happened over the last couple of decades is that there's a, there's a, a blending of those, right? Um, right. And Billy Bean and Moneyball were famous on the east side of the Bay uh, 20 years ago. Now Farhan Zaidi with the San Francisco Giants is um, I think at the vanguard of, of blending those two worlds. Um, and I'm sure the same thing's going to happen in construction.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's a great lesson back to the disrupt and respect aspect of it that you come in uh, and blend kind of the, the best of both worlds. You have to have that balance there of this is, Kind of how it has been done and why was it done that way and the, the benefits of that and then here's where we can take it and the benefits of that and how do we we use the best of both worlds
0: yeah i think you you mentioned something that's really important um which was that if there's sure it's true that sometimes when people say well we're going to do it that way because that's how we've always done it that um it, it doesn't necessarily mean it was the right way mm-hmm. um, but right. there, there's often something in there uh, that made sense, or it wouldn't have been done in the first place. Um, and so, as a, a technologist in this sector, I think you have to bring in humility, a humility, a confidence, but but also humility that says, "Okay, let me ask that secondary question to try to figure out, huh, but, you know, why was it done this way?" And then I'll, I'll, you'll actually figure out that there was something in there uh, that made it the right decision for many, many years, maybe decades. Um, And then the opportunity is, okay, how do you take that, whatever that is and integrate it into your platform?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, So what do you think is the next big kind of innovation wave that's going to hit the construction industry?
0: I, you know, as I mentioned uh, at the beginning, I, I think there, almost everything in, in this industry is, is white space, meaning um, is open for uh, improvement and new ways of thinking and, and doing. Um, I've made a couple of investments uh, with companies that sit at the intersection of contact and fintech. Um, so those are more back office, you know, another company that has been, has developed some really interesting software um, to untangle uh, documents and contracts and insurance policies and all the things that, that can get really complicated in construction. Um, but those, you know, anything from, from the back office aspects, some of those examples I just mentioned, um, to companies that are looking uh, at new ways. Of providing services uh, on on the staffing side and benefits and training, in the sector, and then on the hardware side, there there's just some some extraordinary thing stuff that's being developed. Um, I you know I won't I won't name companies necessarily because I'd inevitably uh, leave a few off the list, but there's some exciting, um, I, you know, I think of it as cobot technology, right? It's not, you're not just going to drive a robot onto a construction site and say, okay, go do your job. Um, but there's technology that in conjunction with a human uh, driver, shall we say, uh, can not only do interesting things on the job site, but whenever people hear about robots, they think, well, those are going to take human jobs. Um, the reality is, as you guys know, there's, a, and I think last week, uh, you had an individual on talking about the supply demand gap in terms of staffing in the sector. Um, and I think uh, some of this unique uh, breakthrough robot robotic technology um, will act not only to, to help in some ways, uh, address that gap, but will also be a catalyst for bringing people into the sector right it's it's no longer your you know your your grandfather's uh hammer hammer nail and saw business um you know if you can drive a robot at work that's pretty darn cool and you don't have that uh opportunity everywhere
1: yeah definitely well how do people get a hold of you and find out more information
0: look i'm just uh you know i'm I'm involved with uh, as an uh an, an angel investor and advisor um, in about eight companies, not all contact. I, I focus exclusively on built tech. So that's design, build and operate. Um, but uh, like I said, I, I've, uh, I, I've I've spent um, uh, been focused exclusively the last couple of years on, on these sectors um, and I've only gotten more convinced uh, and developed more conviction about, where they're going over the next decade. And so for me, that means um, I, part of my time, I specifically dedicate to just having conversations um, with whether it's entrepreneurs or, or even executives, you know, young executives in, in companies, established GCs, that are thinking about doing something new in the sector. Um, I love having discussions like that. And so would encourage everyone, and, anyone and everyone to reach out. Um, it's easy now. I'm kind of stuck in my office box here at home. Um, maybe that'll change. But for now, it certainly makes it easier to have conversations with people around the world. Um, so yeah. thanks again for, uh, for, for what you're doing with the podcast. And I'm, I'm excited to be a part of what I think is going to be a, a terrific decade ahead.
1: Awesome. Well, final
0: question for you. What does innovation mean to you? Improvement. Um, taking a process uh, or uh, generally a process that uh, you, you see a new way to do something uh, that's more efficient uh, or more creative or, or both. Um, and it's one of the best things I think you can you can have as a core part of you know any any sort of job and and that's why uh whether it's an, as an investor or an executive or uh or a construction worker or a a, a robot driver this decade's going to be a fun one to watch
1: i like it scott thanks so much for taking the time and uh chatting with us all about startups and in, in contact this is great thank you guys And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. Let's start by acknowledging that the world of construction has more layers of complexities than is often attributed to the industry. Make sure to find and hire great people that know the industry and the problems of your customers well. It sounds fundamental, but the basics can make a big impact. Second take, Scott mentioned that we should think of technology as a tool. Make sure to share with others what tools, software and workflows you find value in. The rising tide lifts all boats. And finally, I loved Scott's disrupt versus respect balance and the Moneyball reference. We need to take the time to analyze what has worked well for so long and why. Also, we need to take the time to ideate on what can work better and where critical enhancements are needed. Then we blend the best of both worlds to move the industry forward. Since construction is full of incredible problem solvers, I'm convinced the industry's future is in good hands. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is directed and produced by Todd Wyant. Edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software production. Copyright Applied Software 2021.